And here we go. Welcome to the Mr. Tuesday Show. Welcome in, everybody. It is Tuesday. Well, guys, this is it. This is the last episode of season one of the Mr. Tuesday Show. I have a very special guest to top off the end of the season, Mr. Max Hawthorne. Max, introduce yourself to the audience. Hey, everybody. My name is Max Hawthorne. I live down here in Dallas, Texas. I really do appreciate the opportunity to share my experiences with you today. Yeah, and I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I had like three, four, I think even five people who wanted to be my season finale. But I have to say, I feel like Max just sold me on his pitch. He was just like, Chance, you're my buddy. Before you were actually a podcaster, I was already encouraging him. I'm like, you know what, Max? Fair enough. And here we are. And like I said, I'm really glad to have you on. I'm happy to be here. I do appreciate the opportunity. And, you know, I had to sell you on it. I sell for a living. So if I couldn't sell you on this, I probably shouldn't be selling at all. Yeah, I'm actually a salesman too. But, you know, hey, our jobs are totally pointless and irrelevant, according to my buddy Skip. Apparently, we're just professional con artists. Yeah, you know, when you think of salespeople, you think of the used used car salesman who will say literally anything to you in order to get you to buy the car. There's no company on the face of the planet that hasn't succeeded without salespeople. Yeah, exactly. At least those people at first, because think about it, like whenever McDonald's was starting, they really had to like pitch and sell their business model. But now, you know what you're getting when you go into McDonald's. That's not the same thing with uh, with a car. You have to know that you want a car or a forklift or a cell phone or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, we do have that. Definitely have that in common. We're both definitely salespeople. But Max, Man, it's been a long time coming, and honestly, I wanted to do podcasting with you a lot sooner. Here's something that not a lot of people know. I used to be on the NFL and You podcast with Hayden and Mark, and I was honestly campaigning so hard to get guests on that show because I feel like it would have sparked it up. And so we actually, Max was the first guest I wanted to have. I even had uh, Max interview with Hayden for about an hour. Hayden said you were great. It just never went anywhere. You know, it's just the nature of the business, I guess. It's always changing things. Constantly. No, it's not. Hayden's just a selfish asshole. That's what it is. <laughs> I, mean, I, yeah, you guys, you could say that. I don't really know the guy. I've only had one conversation with him. I would have enjoyed to be on the show, but, you know, ultimately it's his decision. And I, I can't force my way on there. You can't force me on there. It's just the nature of the business, really. So I'm not I'm not going to bicker. I'm not going to be bitter about it because I'll... I'll uh, I'll eat myself alive doing that, and I'd rather just uh, <laughs> I'd rather I'd rather just stay positive in, in in a time like this, you know, with everything going on, so much uncertainty, all that jazz. <laughs> you know what Max just did? Max just spin it like it is affecting me, but then again, I'm gonna pretend like I really don't care because I got other things going on. So I think really that was a shot at you, Hayden. So Hayden, if you're listening right now. I got Max on my side. But anyways, Hayden is totally in the past. But hey, dude, speaking of NFL, sorry about your Packers, man. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a real shame. Um, that was probably the best team the Packers had in the last six years or so. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, we have an all-pro uh, defensive end, Darius Smith. Amazing player. We signed him a year ago. Um, but what really killed it for us was um, we forced three turnovers in the second half, and, and the Two of those drives, we went three and out. Uh, one drive for negative two yards and one drive for six yards. So we, we had the opportunities to win the game. But to, to Tampa Bay's credit, their defense stepped up. They kept Rodgers in the pocket under duress all day. And it was just too little too late when we marched down the field, kicked that field goal, which, by the way, 
people are saying was a horrible call, but in all fairness, uh, Rodgers was not playing well to that point, at, at that point in the game, so I think it was a smart move. We had two-minute warning, three timeouts, time on the clock. If we made a stop, which we should have, except that Buccaneers wide receiver dove like Neymar and got the P.I. flag, the game was over. I'll tell you what, uh, I was not more devastated in the loss than I was in this one, aside from the 2014 championship game where our backup tight end decided he wanted to be a hero and muffed the onside kick, leading to Seattle go down the field and score. And then overtime, mm-hmm. Russell Wilson throws a bomb to, to Tyler Lockett. And Remember that. We lose. Mm-hmm. It was it was a real gut punch, and it took me a few days to get over all that. Yeah, so I could tell you Max was definitely not having it after the Packers loss on Sunday. Me and three other friends were actually over at his apartment. We ordered pizza. It was a good time, but whenever they lost, I, we could all just tell Max is just not having it, so it would probably be best for us all to leave. And so we all just pretty much just, like, dipped. Like, Max needs some time by himself. And, and dude, trust me, like, I, I show your pain wherever the Dodgers lost the World Series in 2017 against the Astros, the cheating Astros. I, like, I still get upset over that game. And I still, like, you can still get me hyped up and upset over what happened, even though we just won the World Series. But... Hey, I mean that's just that's just the kind of guy you are. You're emotionally invested in your team, and mm-hmm. you stick with them, and you, you don't don't be a bandwagon. And Max is definitely not a bandwagon. It's it's unconditional love for the yeah. Packers, whether I've been right or been wronged by the <laughs> decisions they've made, or or the gut wrenching losses I've experienced. Four out of five NFC championships we've been to in the last ten years, we've lost, and you know we got probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Playing at his best at age 38. Wait, Patrick is... Mahomes got traded to the Packers? I didn't hear about this. Yeah, all right, whatever you say. You know. <laughs> um, but no, it was it's it's always fun to support our team, especially since they've been so good for so long. Uh, they were bad for a very long time, but that was before I was alive. I entered right into the golden age, right after Brett Favre won that Super Bowl in '97, and I've been watching ever since I was a kid. So I've been blessed to uh, watch this team just consistently win, consistently succeed. Instead of being a Jaguars fan, watching my team just drown in the cellar of their division for decades. I fully respect any Jaguars fans, Browns fans, Jets fans, like teams that are just consistently at the bottom or at the top if you consider the NFL draft. Man, I res- I have so much respect for those types of people. Sorry, and yeah, I couldn't hear what you said. And yeah, so that was Siri chiming in. But anyway, so you're definitely from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit more about that. So I'm from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. It's a small suburb outside of Milwaukee, about 10 minutes outside the city. It's about, I wouldn't say you know it's a suburb, but it's not small by any means. It's about 50 to 60,000 people. Mm-hmm. I grew up there. Uh, I moved to Dayton, went to the University of Dayton in uh, Ohio. I moved down here to Dallas for work uh, after getting hired by my current employer. And uh, I've, I've moved around a few times, but... Um, mm-hmm. Not, nothing nothing like what chance is <laughs> I mean I, I, I hear I hear about that imagine having to meet so many new people just constantly moving around from California to Texas wherever else you've been <laughs> you might have lived in half the states of the United States based on what you shared with me it feels like that sometimes because whenever you have say like a state like say like Nevada say like Florida or even maybe the Dakotas I'm probably gonna know somebody who lives there or at least have a story about that but but anyway so yeah so you went to University of Dayton, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Dayton of Ohio, uh, it's a great school, about 10,000 students, 10,000 undergrads, then 1,000 or so mm-hmm. uh, 
grad students. It, I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous. Have you ever been to the SMU campus? It's a lot like that, except there's a lot less money in Dayton. Yeah, I was about to say, Dayton's <laughs> probably a public school, right? No, yeah. Dayton's a private school. Oh, I didn't Dayton, know that. Dayton is a private Marianist Catholic school. Oh. Um, right outside of the city of Dayton. It's really in a bubble. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's so safe. The campus is gorgeous, but I, I went to SMU. SMU's campus earlier this year, and I'll tell you what, dude, those frat houses, the lines. Oh, statues. dude, don't even. Have you ever seen the girls go to SMU? I went to a yeah, I went to a uh, Delta 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 formal. Yeah. Uh, about about a year ago at this point, right before the pandemic started, I partied with them. And I'll tell you what, those those girls, they're awesome. Is that incredible? It was like I was back in college. It was. I mean, I, I say that I'm twice two years removed, but I, it still yeah. feels like a lifetime ago that I was there partying every week and getting hammered with my buddies. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it just seems like so long ago. And I feel bad for a lot of the kids in, in school now, especially at Dayton, um, going through the pandemic and not being able to really experience what I experienced there. Yeah. So you went four full years at Dayton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did. I spent eight years or eight semesters at Dayton, but I did spend one semester abroad in China. You went, wait, you went to school in China? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What my, the? F I didn't even know this. My first semester, uh, junior year, I studied abroad in China for about four months from the end of August to the end of November. I, uh, we lived in Suzhou, China, which is about 45 minutes east of Shanghai. I'll tell you what, uh, that the cities in China are absolutely unbelievable. Shanghai is like nothing I've ever seen. And if you ever get the chance to go to China, it's about as backwards culturally as it is to the U.S. It doesn't get much more different. Hmm. Expand on that. Here. Well, obviously, most people know that China is one big surveillance state, so you're constantly being watched. You can see the people just, I mean, everybody's working. Mm -hmm. they, their goal is for the zero, obviously everyone's goal is zero unemployment, but they make work for people to do. So you'll see lots of people just sweeping sidewalks when there are no leaves. Um, the food is amazing. Oh, my God, dude. The food, I will never forget. I've had the best seafood food in the world over there. It's amazing. Squirrel fish is the single best. Squirrel, squirrel fish? fish? Yeah. It's the, it, they call it squirrel fish based on the way they prepare it. They skin the fish, and then they pull the meat into these little chunks that you can pick with, uh, with chopsticks, and they put this incredible sauce on it. I'll tell you what. I've never had seafood as good as that. It was amazing i'm not i'm a picky eater but i had to eat or i had to starve while i was over there so i ate what i could handle you know i ate a scorpion i ate duck stomach um lots of mystery meats uh but that squirrel fish is the single greatest seafood dish i've ever had mm -hmm. it's only made in suzhou that's just a, it's you know it's a local dish right none of the other big cities or provinces prepare food quite like that but it was absolutely unbelievable yeah so what i've been told is whenever we go in america we go to a chinese restaurant mm -hmm. that food is nothing like the authentic chinese food like it's like not even not even that like it's lesser quality but like mm -hmm. it's just totally different like like it's a different type of food it's the freshness is really the big difference oh okay i mean a lot of that stuff at the chinese restaurants it's just so processed and kind of Oh, okay. Value. Okay. But everything there, you know, is grown and processed. Processed, I say loosely, but really they just mm -hmm. wash it after they grow it and then they serve it to you. But I, it was amazing. I lost like 30 pounds hmm. in four months just eating that food and walking. No real exercise. I mean, I did a lot of walking, but the food was just so healthy, so filling. I dropped 
a lot of weight. I'm not a big guy, but I went from 210 to 180 in four months. Wow. I mean, if I ever get the opportunity to go back there, I'm going to gorge myself. And the best part is you can eat as much as you want as long as it's healthy and you'll drop weight like nobody's business. Wow. Wow. So healthy food that's also tasty as fuck. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I wish they had that here instead of a lot of the stuff that's available. But it's just, you know, hard to prepare it since, you know, we buy most of our stuff from China and Mm -hmm. ship it over here. By the time it gets here, yeah, it's, it's just been processed. All kinds of chemicals put on it. I, I sound like a, I sound like a vegan. I sound like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm against GMOs, which I'm not. Right. It's just it, there's there's a difference, and the only way to experience the difference is to go over there and have it. I mean, China's got a lot going for it too. It's an absolutely amazing place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except everyone in the government is a lunatic. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> we don't really get too too political on my show, and uh, I tend to keep it that way. I don't like to go off divisive uh, topics, but yeah, wow, that's that is really incredible. I, I really had no idea that you spent a semester in China. That's that's awesome, dude. It, it changed my life, is what it did. I mean, it was quite the experience. I'd never really been off the continent, and then I fly to the opposite side of the planet, spent four months with about seven or eight other American students, and we studied with some Chinese students there, so they were able to translate for us when we couldn't speak i learned a little can't really remember it anymore mm-hmm. we, we were able we had the freedom to plan our own trips um, we went to the great wall a few times we went to shanghai almost every other weekend right mm-hmm. yeah to party a lot go to a lot of the cool clubs there awesome um, yeah awesome dude amazing hey that's that's all that sounds like a lot of fun and i've heard yeah the clubs in china are awesome so anyways so max going back to you so you're definitely a salesman that's just that's just who you are when at what point did you realize hey i would like to be a salesman and i think it's something i would be good at so the way i the way i approached it i went into school i knew i wanted to do business i knew i wanted to study business my dad is a businessman he's also a sales guy and he was heavily influential in the route i chose mm-hmm. i initially wasn't going down the sales road at all i went to the operations route which is more internal improvements to the company you know optimizing processes finding ways to reduce downtime or reduce manufacturing, you know, lead times, just just small improvements, hopefully leading to um, bigger opportunities in the company. But unfortunately, in the operations uh, opportunities, they were very limited. Um, I would have been ended up working at a DHL warehouse in the middle of nowhere, Ohio, on the graveyard shift. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to I wouldn't have been able to do anything that I want. I probably would have hated it. Um, so my dad advised me to take a few sales courses. And the University of Dayton is known for its sales program. Hmm. Um, yeah, they consistently place high in sales competitions, which may not mean a lot to a lot of people, but, I mean, it's something really to hang your hat on. Uh, Fair enough. We've got six corporate sponsors, and really what, what got me my job that I have now is, is that sales course. Our professors networked uh, with our six corporate sponsors. They came in. They did mock interviews, which weren't really mock interviews. Uh, mm-hmm. They were actual interviews. They said it was for practice, but it really wasn't. They were trying to figure out if we'd be a good fit for their company. And right. I ended up going through the whole process. Uh, they flew me down here to Texas um, at the tail end of that whole process. I, I gave them a list of cities that I wanted to live in. That was just a great thing. They let me choose where I wanted to live. Uh, so I was looking at Indianapolis. I was looking at Charlotte. Houston, uh, 
San Antonio, lots of cities down here in Texas. Because mm-hmm. I just didn't want to live in Ohio, and I didn't want to live in Wisconsin. Because I'd lived there my whole life or spent significant amount of time there. And I came down here to Dallas. I'd never been to Texas before. And, it, I mean, the market here is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no real complaints. I saw the branch. And then I was, you know, I learned that the branch here is, is probably the biggest that Crown has. Right. And um, I, was, I was just sold. I, I knew I had to work hard. I knew I wasn't necessarily wired to be a salesperson because I am more introverted. But I, I, had to, I had to rewire myself a little bit. And, you know, with practice and, you know, it's, it's not personal. I think that's what people are afraid of is the rejection. Mm-hmm. You just kind of got to deal with it. It's not personal. It's business. Yeah. I mean, some people just look at the price tag and we're traditionally more expensive than our competitors. And, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. That's, that's, that's how some of our competitors stay in businesses. They sell the cheapest product they can possibly make. And then skin them alive on the back end, <laughs> but you know it, it's it's important for relationship building because if you if you do a good job with some of these companies, they'll buy everything from you. They'll buy the units, they'll buy the forklifts, and then all the warehouse products. And yeah, it's I mean it's it's hard work, but if you get that one good cold call or that one opportunity, or you even make a sale, I mean it doesn't matter the crap you went through earlier in the day, and that's probably what I learned the most. Is, mm-hmm. is you just you gotta stay positive. You gotta be positive. You just kind of gotta stick it out, even though it gets tough. And again, that's probably the most important thing I've learned about this. This is you can't really get too down, otherwise you're just gonna spiral. Yeah. See, I can actually agree to that. You, it's one job where you just can't have a shitty look on your face. You can't have a shitty mm-hmm. day. You have to have at least mm-hmm. fake it, like great mood positive energy and if not i mean obviously sales is just not for you and that's okay because sales i'll tell you this sales is not for a lot of people i know plenty of people who they just they just want to work and they don't want to have any commission they want everything every uh part of their pay structure to be guaranteed and they if they could avoid talking to as many people as possible in their job they would take it i know so many people who are extremely introverted like you said see that's boring I mean, I, I find it boring. It's, yeah. It's, I mean, I, I the best part about my job is I have complete freedom to do what I want when I want. Um, as long as I'm selling and meeting the goals that my company, my employer has set out for me, as long as I'm meeting yeah. those goals, I can sell how I want, I can go where I want, and as long as it, I'm doing my job, I'm visiting customers, I'm making phone calls, I have complete freedom to do what I need to do. And I, I think for me that's that's easily the best part about the job I have. Yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah, I genuinely like meeting new people. I am extremely extroverted. I I got to a point in college where I was just pretty much talking to strangers. So I identified myself as a people person really early on in life. And people just, I mean, they see me and they just see, oh, you know, young, energetic, you know, genuine, wholesome guy. And so that's why I personally got into sales. But yeah, I don't think I've ever actually asked you what, you know, what got you into sales. But I mean, hey. Hey, totally, totally. I get everything you just said. You, you really, you like, you sold it so well to somebody who is in sales, and I'm sure people who are not in sales, they're like, okay, yeah, now that's that's making a lot of sense. So great, love every love everything you just said. So, uh, gonna take a little side quest. One thing I always do is to my guests who are from the Midwest, I ask them the same question. 
What's your opinion on White Castle? You know, I've only had White Castle about once or twice in my life. See, that's the thing. White Castle is more an Indiana, Ohio, Michigan-based restaurant chain. We have a couple of them in Wisconsin. Okay. They don't have a huge presence. Um, I mean, it, it's fine. I mean, that's really the best answer I have it's, for you. It's fine. So, I mean, if you want to go there and try it, go there and try it. But I, I wouldn't set my expectations too high. See, I'm actually going to visit Hayden in Michigan either this year or next year. And we've already promised each other, hey, we're going to go eat White Castle. And Hayden's like, no, I'm completely out of that. I don't care if you pay for me. I don't care if you literally pay me to have White Castle. Because th he thinks White Castle is actual trash. You know, if you paid me to have White Castle, I'd have as much White Castle as you'd want me to have. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the menu is getting really weird. I wouldn't know anything about that. Like I said, I haven't been to White Castle in years. Well, Hayden was telling me on, a, on the previous podcast that apparently, you know those chicken rings that they'd have uh, in middle school? Mm -hmm. So what they do is they put them in between the sliders, mm -hmm. and they call that a chicken sandwich. Like, And they're saying, like, step aside Popeyes or something like that, and that's like their killer chicken sandwich. Yeah, that means they're in trouble. <laughs> if, they're trying to, if they're trying that, like, hey, come to our restaurant. We have a better chicken sandwich than literally the best chicken sandwiches on the planet. That means you're not doing so hot. You're desperate for people to come into restaurants. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I've never actually had White Castle, but like I know so many people in the Midwest. At this point, I'm like so intrigued. I think you'll just be whelmed. I don't think you'll be overwhelmed. I don't think you'll be underwhelmed. I think you'll just go there and you're like, you know, it's a burger. Will I come back? No, because we don't have them down here. Well, I can't come back, but yeah. you know what I'm saying? I, I go, if, I, if I ever find myself up in the, the Midwest again, you know, I'm not going to think, oh, geez, I really wish I had a White Castle slider at the moment. There's also one in Vegas, and I know that because my dad told me that, and I know – if I don't make it around to Michigan, I know I'll eventually. I'll go to Vegas again. Who's not going to go to Vegas? So they have everything in Vegas, they, including White Castle. So yeah, if, if I ever Castle. go to White, if I ever go to Vegas, I have I owe it to myself that I talked about it so much. So, but Hayden was telling me that apparently, um, White Castle is to Midwesterners what Whataburger is to Texans. Yeah. I, I know you've had Whataburger. That that is a lie. <laughs> Whoever told you that is a liar. No, the Whataburger is to Texas as Culver's is to Wisconsin. I mean. White Castle, maybe if you live in Indiana, sure. But I don't live in Indiana. I live in Wisconsin. We don't have. You live in Dallas. Castle. Shut up. I lived in Wisconsin. <laughs> I, lived in Indiana. I get your point. But yeah. the point is, Whataburger is just kind of like one of those fast food chains you know exists, but you're just never going to go. It's kind of like Red Lobster. Like, I'm not going to go to Red Lobster. I know it's there. Mm -hmm. But why, why, why go to Red Lobster? It's so expensive. Wait, you said that you're just not going to go to Whataburger? Is that what you said? No, I said I'm not going to go to White Castle. I oh, like okay, I okay. Love Whataburger. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I had Whataburger when I was coming down here looking at apartments with my family. Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what, it, it knocked the pants off me. I had a hell of a time. Mm -hmm. you know, they have they've got some amazing burgers. The fries are yeah, they're fine. Yeah. But you go there for the burgers, and it was amazing. Oh, yeah, dude, absolutely. Not only that, but, like, they have an awesome breakfast menu, too. Yeah, I want to try one of their patty melts. I've heard those oh, are amazing. Oh, dude, if I hadn't already eaten, I'd, I'd actually take you out for a burger, but I've already had dinner, so. Sorry, we'll, we'll, get it, we'll do it next time. But uh, what's, your, like, your go-to fast food right now? My go-to fast food? Well, I've been trying to cut out fast food from my diet. Um, but when you do. When I do. It's really, it really depends on the mood I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'll go to Whataburger a lot of the time because there isn't really a Culver's close by. The closest one is in Rockwall, which is part of the area where I sell sell in. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm there a lot, and every once in a while I'll say, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna have a butter burger with fries and a chocolate M&M concrete mixture. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if I had to say a go to, I, I think Whataburger would be my go to now. Okay. Wow. Damn. You're, so you're pretty. You're an honorary Texan at this point. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not a full Texan yet, but hopefully we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. You know. Eventually you'll see. I'll walk in and Max just got his cowboy hat, his boots. My, I convert him to a Dallas Cowboys fan. It's 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 yeah, gonna happen. Yeah. The day I wear a Cowboys jersey is the day I get burned at the stake by everybody. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. We'll. We'll, we'll swing back on that, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, Max, let's get back to more of how we actually met. Sure. So that's kind of interesting. So there was one time, I remember, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Joe, he was having a get-together, and I actually brought over one of my friends, uh, Miranda, mm-hmm. At you know, and uh, whenever I first I first saw Max, we just like, hey, you know, hey, what's going on, man? And uh, he was wearing a, uh, a Brewers jersey, and then we started talking sports, and come to find out that, you know, he really really dig football and like dude i honestly felt bad for uh, jackie and jesus because like we were just pretty much primarily talking like football the entire time i felt like i ignored everybody else but but yeah then we just instantly clicked and um and yeah i'd say we have a really solid friendship we try and hang out when we can but uh definitely definitely somebody i hit up whenever i'm trying to go out for the weekend Man, that's the good thing about sports is it's an easy way to bond with it's people. so easy conver- oh my gosh it's such an easy conversation especially if i see somebody who's wearing like a sports jersey i could be like oh you know you're a Cavs fan they did good tonight that's just like an Sorry. easy way to pass the time yeah <laughs> they kind of stink they don't they're actually pretty good this year the Cavs are pretty good this year they're putting together. Nah, this year just started i'm not gonna i'm not gonna make a definite statement I mean, until yeah but no, I, I mean it's it's an easy way for me to break the ice. I I use sports all the time. Oh when yeah. I'm not selling. Uh, it's an easy way to get somebody to feel more comfortable. Um, and you know, because a lot of these guys just work in warehouses all day, deal with the same people every day. Then all of a sudden, I come in here and I'm like, hey, you want to buy a forklift from me? Not yet, because I don't know you. So I, you know, I see a a customer of mine's a big Alabama fan. Mm-hmm. So I, I use that to, to build a relationship. And I can't stand Alabama, but you know, I'll talk about Alabama. Well, pretend it like you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, it's just the nature of the business. You just got to – sports, again, it's a great tool to, to start a conversation with somebody you probably wouldn't even think about talking to in the first place. Yeah, like how, like starting a conversation about sports is much better than, you know, lovely weather we're having today or some, mm-hmm. or some shitty opener like that. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely, definitely, man. And so – what I, what I want to talk about is more about, like, your story growing up in Wisconsin, you know, going to high school, like, certain, like, odd jobs. Like, I think, I don't think people really know the real Max Hawthorne, and that's mm-hmm. that's what we're going to spend the rest of this podcast, is, like, knowing the real Max Hawthorne. Okay. Um, well, I went to high school um, in Wauwatosa, which is where I'm from. Yeah. I had a pleasant experience. No, no real complaints. Um, I had fun, made friends. Lost touch with a lot of those friends, but that's just kind of what happens when you move on. It's just the nature of life. But uh, I worked most summers. I spent a semester, or a summer, excuse me, in Door County. I worked a couple odd jobs in Door County, Wisconsin. Yeah. But I did spend a few summers at a zoo working. Um, wait, wait, wait. You worked at the zoo? Mm-hmm. What, yeah. were, you, were you like a zookeeper, or like what was that? <laughs> no, so I worked as a uh, in the horticulture department, which is just a fancy way of saying I was a I was taking care of the plants, so I did all kinds of projects, planting stuff, taking stuff out, 
Uh, I got to work in enclosures. The worst part of the job was I had to wake up at 4.30 every morning, but the best part of the job was I was done at 2. So I got to go home and do that, but it was probably one of the best experiences I've had. Uh, I worked with one of my buddies from high school and then a couple other co-workers. We formed just this quartet of, of guys. We always worked together. Made the days go by so much faster. I mean, the best time that I had working at the zoo was um, – was it was the first week that Pokemon Go came out and everyone was playing it. Oh servers, my god. <laughs> the servers were crashing all day, but we woke up so early. We we just went around the zoo catching Pokemon. There were so many landmarks in the zoo cuz you know, it's a zoo, right? Um but we we did absolutely nothing that first week. We just drove around in our big box truck catching Pokemon, holding on to the gems. Um it was an absolute it was just it was absolutely amazing just to have that much fun. And we, again, we didn't really do much. We just caught Pokemon the whole time. We just did, you know, our daily tasks. And then the rest of the day we spent just doing that. It was, again, that was probably the best week I had there. But working mm-hmm. at the zoo was great. I got to go in all the enclosures um, just to take care of the plants. I got to go uh, learn more about, like, how the zoo operates in the back end. Wait a second. That was in 2016? Yes, it was. Which means, you know what that means? Harambe died not too after, not too before the time that you were working at the zoo. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say me leaving the zoo loosely had something to do with that gorilla or Harambe. God yeah. Bless soul, yeah. Getting R.I.P. The Cincinnati Zoo. Granted, I worked at a completely different zoo in a completely different state. But, you know, if, if you want to, if you want to tie that. To me, that is a burden I'm willing to bear. <laughs> I wonder, was that a hot topic when you were working at the zoo? Like I, again, that happened after I left. Oh, okay. So, like when when the, when Harambe got killed, uh, I, it was my. Are you year. are you sure about that? Because so Haram, so you're talking about Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go happened after Harambe. No, no, Pokemon Go. Yes. Uh, go ahead. All right, go my, ahead. My timeline is this is my so I worked there twenty. 20- 14 2015 2016 i think i thought pokemon go came out on 2016 yeah it did and yeah. harambe died in 2016 in like march or was it may but before pokemon go came out all i was gonna ask was like was that like a hot topic at the zoo like were people talking about it really i don't think so i think that happened while i was at school in dayton i think that that sounds like it was my sophomore year, and I didn't go back my sophomore year. I stayed in Dayton and worked. Yeah, but I, I know my my coworkers definitely texted me about it a lot. And it's like, what what have we done? <laughs> We're somehow responsible for the, the the death of this beloved gorilla. You know, people. This is going to be somewhat political, but people were actually talking about Harambe and like the morality of zoos and the in aquariums and things like that, and whether or not it's moral to keep animals in a cage. I want to hear your take on that. Um, well, that's not an issue I really think about a whole lot. Um, I mean, as long as the animals are treated humanely, um, in some cases, a lot of the the animals in the zoo are, you know, yeah, going extinct. Uh, it, it, the zoos are havens for these animals. Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, every zoo has a rhino- has a rhinoceros, and you know that rhinoceros is being well taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as an example, but I mean. I think the real problem with that is the, the theme parks like SeaWorld is oh, yeah, I was... constantly under fire for their treatment of their workers. And rightfully, their workers? 
The orcas. Orcas. The okay. Yeah. 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 Dude. Yeah. I'm not gonna defend SeaWorld one bit. No. The way they treat whales. Like you've seen Blackfish, right? There's a full documentary on everything that they did. And basically, so long story short, dude, they paint the uh, killer whales black and white um, because they're like, they're always like exposed to the sun. So if they didn't paint them white, like every day, they would be like a big ass, like sunburn on, on Shamu. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah. It's, it's horrible, dude. And also, so every single like Shamu from SeaWorld was like descended from this whale that had like all these anger problems and would always be like a grievous and all this. And so it's like, you have a problematic whale and we're literally letting it breed because, mm-hmm. because you know, aggression in animals is genetic. So you know what I'm saying? It's hardwired into the yeah. genetic code. And yeah. I mean, going off that, I mean, at least from what I've seen at our zoo, uh, our animals are, are well taken care of. Um, they live long, seemingly happy lives. Yeah. I mean, I get they're in a cage, but you know, yeah, zoos are great way to educate people mm-hmm. um, about the animals that we share the world with um most again a lot of these animals are endangered and but it, and the zoo is like a safe haven for them to get the care they need that's kind of my thing about it i'm kind of torn and, and like they will live significantly longer in mm-hmm. zoos yeah. because then they can have everything guaranteed your food guaranteed mm-hmm. safety etc but it's just also like i don't know if animals would want that I mean, we don't, can't, you can't tell what animals want, but I think animals would want freedom I if mean, given the chance. if they're born in captivity, they don't really know anything else. And if you decide, you know what, no more zoos, and you just let all the animals go into their natural wild habitats, a lot of them wouldn't survive because they've been born in that environment. Yeah. There's, they wouldn't adapt fast especially, enough to survive. Especially like the, like the tigers and shit. Because like, think about it, that's, that's going to be a bitch tiger. And if you put if you put that bitch t- uh, tiger like, you know, back in Africa or wherever it's from, it's not going to survive, dude. It's going to be like the beta of the betas. Like, no, yeah. It's not, it's not going to survive. It makes it easy target target for uh, poachers and hunters and those gross groups of people who kill animals for, you know, especially endangered animals. For mm-hmm. like parts that they sell in the black market, like like a bile and a rhino's horn is worth quite a pretty penny. Mm. So apparently, there's only one of this particular kind of rhino left, and it has around the clock, 24 hour a day protection because these these dickheads hunted them all to extinction, and yeah. it's just gross. Yeah, yeah. See, Max was at first trying to say, I'm no animal rights guy or anything, I'm but not you're, but like, no, 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 he is just like absolutely like just like he hates poachers and uh, yeah. and hunters and shit like and that. Everyone should because yeah. it's, it's a disgusting business. Wow. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. I mean, there there aren't many businesses that fall under the the, the, the disgusting umbrella. That's one of them, and that's 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 something that most people can agree. Killing endangered animals is bad. So talking talking about disgusting businesses, would you say short selling hedge fund owners are under that disgusting umbrella? Yeah, it's gross. I think you know exactly where I'm going. I with know this. exactly what you're going. With. It's, <laughs> it's gross what these people are doing. Um, they're they're basically paying these app trading platforms to get the data on the trades that you and I would make. Yeah, we're not billionaires. We're not ballers owners. yet. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, you're right. Not yet. Um, and it's it's just disgusting that they use that day. I'm like, all right, well, we're gonna bet against you because you probably don't know what the hell you're doing. And then they make money off you, and all of a sudden, these these the brilliant people on Wall Street bets who are usually just meme lords and 
bad investors because they'll, they'll YOLO yeah. tens of thousands of dollars on Apple puts expiring the next day and they expect the stock to fall 15%. Yeah. They lose everything. And it's not even their money. It's everybody's money that they're using. Yeah. yeah. And, and everyone's, it's beautiful. Everyone's banded together and they're just like, fuck you, you're not making money off me anymore. And then they just send GameStop to the moon and these hedge fund owners are losing billions of dollars. Yeah. And all of a sudden the little guy wins and then you know Robin Hood comes out and it's like we're not letting you buy GameStop stock and Nokia and all these other companies that should be out of business should shouldn't be traded probably because they're so yeah dude i was about to say amc mm-hmm. blackberry uh, obviously the big ones gamestop yeah. and then you mentioned nokia it's nokia. like are we back in 2003 like yeah. most of those companies aren't they're, necessarily they're, relevant anymore they're dying or dead yeah and they're they're, they're stopping people from buying it because that's those are a lot of the stocks that hedge funds short yeah and i mean robin hood basically destroyed its entire business in one day by restricting those buyouts and I'd imagine as soon as people can, they'll just take all their money and they'll just go to a different platform. Yeah, exactly. And Robin Hood's going to be left with nothing. I mean, you know, it's interesting. The name, the app's name is literally Robin Hood, you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor. But it's like whenever the rich are stealing, oh, business as usual. But like whenever the like poor people, the normies are actually making some money. We can't have that. We got to shut this shit down. No, if we're beating the hedge fund guys and they're the ones losing the money, that's when they pull the pull the ripcord and like yeah you can't do that anymore i mean it's it's i mean hedge funds as a practice just in general it's not a whole it's not bad it's just the way they make their money is gross yeah because they get they not only have more means to do so but they've given themselves an unfair advantage to beat you yeah i mean it's again it's it's or just the fact that we even have short selling, and if you think about it, like why do you make money because you're betting on a company to fail? Like, do you do you understand? Like, because whenever a company fails, how many job losses that is, how many you know livelihoods are, are being halted or if not ruined? I mean, you're not necessarily betting on the company like going under. You're just betting that it's not being as rotten as well as it should. I mean, in the sense, I mean, it's not like it's. It's an opportunity to make money. I yeah, mean, I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it, it's essentially a bet. Is really what it is. <laughs> it's not investing anymore. It's you're betting. Yeah. And- See, but I feel like this, like this whole thing that's happened with, with the GameStop stock, that really kind of shows you of how. I honestly believe ninety-eight plus percent of Americans don't understand what even the stock market even is. They, I wouldn't say that much. I think. I think a lot more people have gotten invested in the stock market because these apps make it so easy. Yeah. Everyone's stuck in their homes. They're trying to find new ways to make money. Yeah. So then this, there's this large influx of people who go to Robinhood or M1 Finance or yeah. Webull and to, to learn about it. But I don't think – I mean I don't even fully, I don't fully understand most of it. But I, I think a lot more people are – I'm sure Michael, we have a buddy who works at Goldman Sachs. He probably understands it. <laughs> I think Michael would have a better understanding than we would. I, I, I like to think I have a good understanding. I don't get a lot of it, but yeah. the general principles I understand. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I think the great thing is that people are now aware that yeah. this is happening. And they're not going to let, peop- let, let, let these hedge funds get away with it. Yeah. Well, because people like to think that stock generally reflects a company and people like to think that the dow jones or the nasdaq reflect an economy and then so the first one i would like 
both of my answers to that would be not necessarily because I feel like there's so many there's so many more factors when it comes to the economy. But when it comes to a stock like the whole GameStop thing, it had like like close to zero to do with the actual company. Like GameStop is is like it's a dying business. I fully believe GameStop will be out of business in the next like maybe three to five years, if that. And I'm I'm not saying that because I want it to happen. I'm saying that because it's just the writing on the wall when you have Amazon, when you have digitally downloading games it's just it's a it's a business model that's no longer sustainable kind of like blockbuster so well in in the sense that um the stock market itself buying stocks you are investing in the company but the options is where it gets tricky that's how these hedge funds are making their money the stock options so the buying the puts which is what they're the puts are saying the stock price is actually going to go down instead of going up and that's why they're losing all this money because the GameStop price went from five dollars to three hundred and thirty dollars insane because people are artificially manipulating their market so that these hedge funds can't make money it all started because one guy's like i'm gonna start shorting gamestop stock and then everyone on reddit is like uh no you're not so they, everyone started buying it yeah and then they went deeper and deeper into the hole lost anyway or like one hedge fund lost about 10 billion dollars in a day because of that yeah again it's the options that get tricky but if you're just buying stock to buy stock to you know get a piece of the company that's that's different yeah yeah and i have no beef with that like honestly i think that stock trading it's generally a good thing oh it's a good investment yeah if you want if you want something more long term you should invest in low-risk mutual funds Mm -hmm. um, which is what i do for the most part i do want a stock portfolio because i want to be more active in the stock market i'm gonna you know i'll I'll build one you know i'll get my microsoft and my at&t and waste management those those blue chip safe stocks and then play yeah. around with options once i have a solid foundation mm-hmm. but again the options is where it gets tricky mm-hmm. especially since these hedge funds have this unfair advantage that they get to see all this data and then place their bet and then speculation they yeah instead of us who's just like you know apple's got an earnings report coming up i bet they probably didn't do as well as they thought they did and doing it that way without really and that's know, when you sell from, yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's when you that's when you buy uh, puts, which is where the further the stock goes down, the more money you make. I get before a certain point. Right. Um, but again, that's where it gets a little tricky, and the, the hedge funds have the, that extra leg. Let me tell you something, dude. I remember when I was in college, everybody that I knew, like they would watch like the Wolf of Wall Street, and was like, "Oh yeah, I want to be like a day trader. I want to like do all this." I'm just like. Guys, you have to understand, this was like the late 80s to the early 90s. And I mean, I'm sure they still party and do shit like that. I have no doubt about it. But like, it's 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 not like the movie. Like, like that guy, like what that guy did was in that movie, it's so romanticized and it's so like exaggerated of what actually happened. Um, but I actually, I personally read the Jordan Belfort story. And I remember seeing, oh yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, I love it. But like, I actually read like all the shit that he did. I'm like, oh, what a fucking asshole like like jordan belfort is generally not a good person no. <laughs> he's not and day trading is really 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 hard um i mean th- it's really hard to do it well i mean you have to really understand the nitty-gritty everything that goes on in the markets and you kind of have to have a little bit of clairvoyance too to get in and get out at the right time so you don't lose everything mm-hmm. it's much more risky than just buying and holding stocks because stocks always go up but it's 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 a good way to you know if, if you want a little side hustle day trading is fun just only bet with what you can lose is really 
mm-hmm. what you got to do. You got to be smart if you're going to do it. Yeah. So if you're going to download Robinhood right now, don't, be smart and be safe and don't spend money you don't have. No, don't download Robinhood. Download M1 Finance because M1 Finance hasn't locked people out of buying those shares. Mr. Tuesday's show is not sponsored by M1 Finance. <laughs> I wish. Anyway, so Max, we're, we're cutting it close. So here's what I want to do. To all your friends, family who live in Wisconsin or Dayton or Indiana or wherever, and they haven't seen you or talked to you in a while, what's an overly broad message you'd like to say to all of them? Well, uh, overly broad message, I'm having a good time in Dallas. Uh, I'm doing well at work. Meeting new people down here, having having fun on the weekends. Uh, it's hard work, but it's good work. Uh, I'm having a, again. I mean, it's been an overall mostly positive experience for me. So I'm happy down here. If, if, if they're concerned, uh, if that's if that's what's going through their mind, they shouldn't be. Um, aside from that, not not really much else to say. <laughs> but, <laughs> Max, we, we, we need we need to talk about branding ourselves. You, you, I feel like you're selling yourself a little bit short. Max is Max is a really cool guy. Like I said, he's one of my better friends. I really enjoy spending time with him. I really enjoy the time we have together. Even though he's not that great at Warzone, I, I still play with him. When <laughs> You can cuss on my show. I really don't mind. <laughs> I, I've cussed a few times. I'm good. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Max. So what legacy would you like to leave on this world? Um... Well, I, I know I've been put in a fairly fortunate position yeah, being born um, in, a, in a wealthier family, I guess. I, I got to go through college without um, any debt. Uh, I, I just want to be remembered as somebody who gave as good as it got, uh, running a successful business, uh, ideally in the future. Wait, and what'd you say, Max? I said I'm, I'm planning on running a successful business in the future. Um, not, not the one we talked about off air. It's a different one. It's my father's company. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to build on my father's legacy. I want to I wanna continue to leave a positive impact on this world and, again, just give as much as I can. Wow. I, I know I'm blessed yeah. being where I am now. I didn't know how much the Hawthorne name meant, but. Well, that means a lot. You know, it means a lot to my family. And it's, it, again, it's important. To, uh, Everybody's name means a lot to their family. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, okay, fine. You know, that was a silly. That was a silly way to say it. But the point. The point is, um, it's it, it's important to just give as much as you can because there are a lot of people out there who are less fortunate than we are. Um, so I, I just wanna I just wanna you know leave a positive mark on the world. That's really it. Okay. Awesome. That was a really good answer. Well, everybody, this was it. This was the end of season one. I am really happy with how all 10 of the episodes, well, actually all nine of the 10 episodes because I had to take one down for copyright. But other than that, this was a great season one. I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. I feel so blessed to have this show and this show has done a lot better than I've ever expected. But I promise you guys, this season two is going to be a huge improvement off of season one. I'm more experienced. I'm a lot more confident. And I would like to have a certain structure. You won't even recognize season two, but hopefully you'll come back for it. But anyways, Max, thank you for your time. It's been a fun conversation. And I am honestly concerned you might have had something to do with Harambe. But either way. <laughs> it was, I, had, I had a great time. And it was a great opportunity to share my experiences and what you know, the things I experience every day. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this is uh, Chance and Max signing off. Have a good one.